Yeah, if you don't know me, my name is David Skemry. I get the privilege of being on team here, of leading our amazing welcome team, which means that if you haven't met me, I would love to meet you. I absolutely love meeting new people, love seeing them connected into this community, hearing the stories. Um, so please, please come say hi. Um, today, we are starting a new series, which we have dubbed Rhythms. And what we're talking about is this, Jesus led an incredible life. He did some phenomenal things, right? Like he fed 5,000 people with a little, man, a little boy's lunchbox. Like he walked on water. He raised people from the dead, healed leprosy with a touch, literally defeated all of sin and death for all humankind who would believe in him. He did some pretty good things. And what we're gonna look at in this series are the moments between those big events. We're gonna look at the life he lived in the nine to five, the ordinary, the mundane. How did he set himself up in a space between the events? Because we believe as a church that as more people become more like Jesus, as we, the church, become more like Jesus, not just in the big moments, but in the ordinary day to day. We actually create infrastructure, a trellis, the foundation for us to live a life far beyond anything we could ever have imagined. A life which is dubbed the Christian life, the life which Jesus calls the Jesus way. So I hope you guys are excited today. I am, and we're gonna dive straight into some scripture. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, uh, 28 to 30. And it says this, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My goodness, who here thinks rest for the soul sounds like an amazing gift? I do. Hey, can anyone here remember the first musical they ever saw? Now, I see some of those glares. You're like, musicals, really? It's 2021. We don't do that anymore. Oh, um, I have three sisters, uh, which means I lost every single argument I ever tried to have growing up. And one of the most important arguments to young David was what we would watch on television. And so I would flip, you know, the, the boys' channel on and watch, you know, the animated Spider-Man series, some explosions, some heroes beating some villains. I would be psyched, and then my three sisters would walk into the room and instantly change it to Disney Channel. <sighs> and so I am vastly, vastly more acquainted with Hannah Montana and the sweet life of Zack and Cody than I am with Spider-Man or Batman. And you know what? I'm not even mad. It's, it's kind of a cool thing. Um, but one day, my, my sisters found a movie had been released by the Disney Channel. And when I asked the question, who here remembers their first musical, I laughed because I couldn't forget my first musical if I tried. You see, this musical was released by Disney Channel that was set in a high school and appropriately named High School Musical. And my sisters thought the only way to play homage to the greatness of this movie was to watch it at least 15 times a day for six months. And so even today, I can quote it to you and sing it to you. I'm not gonna, don't you worry. But I remember this scene in the movie. They're in a cafeteria, two of the main characters are arguing with each other. It comes to the crux, the argument's getting big, and suddenly the entire cafeteria explodes in song and dance. 
And it's like they, they portray it like it was unrehearsed, like it just happened, and yet they were perfectly choreographed. They were perfectly in step, in sync, in time. And I remember as a young high school student thinking to myself, my goodness, that is horrifying. Like, could you imagine going to school one day and you're sitting there just eating your lunch peacefully and these rowdy bunch at the back breaks out in an argument that turns into a song and a dance that everyone seems to know except for you? That is a high school male's nightmare, especially as I don't know how to dance. But I started thinking as I started writing this sermon that whilst that situation unsurprisingly never happened to me in high school, I never did get caught up in a musical number throughout all my years of high school. But I do wonder if there are some unrehearsed and yet choreographed rhythms that we all seem to follow in our lives. What do I mean by that? Unrehearsed. We didn't plan it. We didn't intend to do it. It's not something we tried to achieve. It's just something we do. Choreographed. We're in sync, in step. Who with? The world around us. I'm curious to know if there are some unintentional and yet perfectly synchronized rhythms in our life with the world around us. And I started thinking about a couple um, as I was writing this sermon. Um, one is this, if I was to sneeze right now and you guys were to see me being the polite bunch that I'm sure you all are, you would instinctively reply, bless you. Am I right? Like you wouldn't think about it. No one's ever jumped on Google and said, is bless you polite? We do it because our mothers tell us to and she scares us. So we say bless you now to every single person who sneezes, no clue where it came from. It's just a rhythm we follow. Or what about when someone comes to us, oh, oh, I work in hospitality, so one question I ask all the time is, how are you? How's your day going? What's new? And the reply that is becoming ever and ever more popular, trumping that of good, like people don't even pretend to be, people don't even say they're good anymore. People are like, nah, good, no, busy. How you doing? I'm busy. How's your day going? Busy. I'm like, I actually kind of value the honesty somewhat, but it's a rhythm. It's this thing that we say and we don't even think about, we just say it. And I'm curious to know, as I reflect on this, whether some of these rhythms are actually bringing life and hope. Have you got any fitness people in the room who just do it by nature? That is a good rhythm. That is a healthy rhythm. People who get up in the morning and do exercise for fun, you're strange, but it's wonderful. <laughs> it is bringing you life. But then I also wonder if there are some bad rhythms. Some, some, some rhythms where we're in step with the world and it's actually tearing us down robbing our joy, hurting our hearts. You know, I think Jesus also thought there might have been some rhythms like that in our lives. You see, he speaks to a crowd of people preaching his sermon and his expectation is that some in this crowd would be weary and burdened. And I looked into that word and it's actually incredibly um, imagery. It's not just these two words. I didn't really know what they meant, so I, I thought I'd better Google it. And what came up was this. What he was saying wasn't just that one time we got beat down and knocked down. It was the imagery of a person wearing a backpack. And in that backpack was lots and lots of heavy weights. And we have been walking up a mountain for weeks. It is a lifestyle that weighs us down and wears us down. We live in the rhythms of the world and find ourselves exhausted. And so Jesus comes and he offers a different rhythm. 
A, a rhythm that sounds like this. Come to me. Come to Jesus. And so for the next few minutes, what I wanna do is talk about the rhythms of Jesus. I wanna talk about his call for us to actually be aware of the rhythms we currently have. The ways we're in step with society without even thinking about it and, and it's actually stealing our life from us. And then I wanna talk about the rhythms of Jesus and why we can trust them as a better way to be. I know we're, we already prayed, but I'd love it if we could pray just one more time. Lord God, you are good. And you care about the flow of our life and the rhythm with which we live by. My God, would you come and show us what you're here to teach us? Let us see how you're alive and at work. Would you help us be unburdened, no longer weighed down, no longer worn out, but finding the come to me rhythm of life so that we can live a more abundant and full and beautiful life. The one that you have called us to and you call it the kingdom way, the Christ way. Christianity at its fullest. Lord, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're doing something. Stir us in this room with excitement that you are at work, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we're called to trust. Sorry, wrong point. We are called to examine, be aware of the rhythms we currently have. Jesus has called us to look to our rhythms and to be aware of them. And, and what's crazy about that is we can't talk about rhythms without talking about timing, or more specifically, out of timing. Um, recently, I, I watched a musical, I know, beating this musical thing to death, but I watched a musical the other day that changed my mind and made me realize that I can no longer pretend I don't like musicals. I actually love them. And I watched this, I watched this musical that had come out and was hugely successful, so successful that Obama decided to endorse it, which as we all know, is the, that is the, that's when you've made it. That's when you know Obama has endorsed it. And so th this Musical is called Hamilton. And what's unique about it is it's a musical done to the style of rap. And it's phenomenal. These, uh, these actors are on stage for two hours rapping this story. It's beautiful, it's amazing. And my friends watched it with me and we fell in love with it. So we watched it again with more friends and again with more friends. And a few weeks ago, we were driving home from a chill day um, down south, and, and, and one of the songs from the musical came up. It happened to be in the playlist. We turned it up as loud as we could um, because we're a bit obsessed with this musical. And um, the guys, two of the guys in the car started singing along. And I, when I say singing along, I mean like freakishly singing along. Like they know the words off the top of their head, but more than that, they know the flow, the rhythm, the way it goes. Now I thought to myself, how hard could this be, am I right? Like you read some words, you say it the way they say it. And I love the song, so I open up Google and I, and I get the lyrics up and I start, you know, rapping along. And uh, I, in my own ears, I was killing it. Like I, Eminem in his prime, amazing. I was so proud of myself. And I get out the car and one of the guys who was standing, there, who was in the car with us, uh, actually had filmed a bit of it and embarrassingly posted an Instagram before he even asked. And so he showed it to me, this video of me rapping along with these guys, and I was so out of sync, so out of time. I was just trying to force these lines out out of fear of falling behind or missing a word. And it was chaotic. It was a mess. I really did ruin the beautiful work of the other two in the car, and I'm not even ashamed. Um, but isn't it true? that hurry 
is the antithesis of rhythm. It is the enemy of it. In fact, there's this, there's this incredible philosopher called Dallas Willard. He discipled a guy called John Ortberg. And John Ortberg is a famous author now, but in his younger days, he came to Dallas and said, Dallas, I'm struggling. Life's hard. Help me out. I don't know what to say or to do. I lead a church and I feel like no one's growing. Help me out. And Dallas paused. Apparently, Dallas did that a lot. He paused. He went, and then he said this, ruthlessly, eliminate, hurry from your life. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. What a call. What a call to make. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. When I first read this, I thought, that's a nice anecdote. I see it. He's trying to make a point. But the more I've reflected on it, the more I've realized the point he's actually making. Because rush is the antithesis of rhythm. Hurry is anti-healthy spirituality. How can you have a good rhythm to your life if you never slow down enough to examine it? How can you be aware of the way we're living in the nine to five, the ordinary, if we never take a moment to pause, to reflect, to be aware? You see, it is this rush that we, constant rush of our society, this constant rush that we are driven forward, always needing to do more, always needing to carry more, always needing to strive more, improve more, that has left us. It's one of these worldly rhythms that have left us burdened and worn out, weighed down and tired. And so Jesus comes to us and he says, I have a rhythm for you. I have a rhythm for you an anti-burden, an anti-weary rhythm. Come to me. Come to me. A rhythm of coming to Jesus regularly. We're gonna turn back to scripture. It's, it's Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. And what it says is Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. You're indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Let's jump back to that first verse in that. It says, as Jesus and the disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. I'm left stumped by that first verse. Why did Martha invite Jesus into her home? Why did Martha say, come on in, come on in? Was it because she heard the come to me message? Did she hear that Jesus had said, come to me, you're weary, you're burdened, let me take that from you. I will be your help, I will be your salvation. Come to me. Did she look to Jesus and see salvation? then why was she so distracted? Why was she too busy doing everything else to pause and sit at his feet with her sister? Maybe it was because she heard that Jesus was a great teacher 
And she knew as a good Jewish person did that if, you inv- if a good teacher comes to town, you invite them into your home and you show them incredible hospitality because that's what a good Jew does. And so, so Martha was like, come on in, come on in. I'm gonna do everything I can to display my hospitality to prove that I am a good Jew. Or perhaps it was somewhere in the middle. Perhaps Martha had heard the come to me message and felt deep in her soul that she needed it. So she invited him into her home. But as he was there, the world and its whispers came calling. And every time she tried to sit at the feet of Jesus, she was distracted and led away. Who who else can relate to that? I mean, she invites him into her home and then never takes the time to sit with him. And I think today as a church, I wonder if maybe in this room today, some of us have invited Jesus into our homes, into our hearts, into our lives, and yet never take the time to just sit with him. And I ask of us today, why did we invite Jesus into our home to begin with? What was it that first caught our hearts and our eyes and said, come on in, come on in? You see, Jesus didn't call Martha out. Jesus didn't say, Martha, you're in the wrong for doing work. Jesus actually says this to, to uh, when Martha comes in and starts making this complaint and pushing this on uh, Jesus, saying, Jesus, you know Mary's in the wrong, help me. He says this to her, Mary's chosen what is better. Hey, Martha, what you're doing is good. Your work is good. Your hospitality is a beautiful thing. But in this moment, at this time, there is a better thing. And I wonder today if maybe we should choose to defy distractions a bit more in our, in our lives, to refuse the, the urge to be interrupted. I wonder today if maybe what we need to do is resist the call of the world, the voice of the world that is pulling us away from Jesus. And when we choose another appointment, another coffee catch up, another Netflix show, another sleep in over Jesus for the 10th time, the 11th time, the the, the 20th week of the year, and then we do it in a row and it's no longer just a thing we did once, but a way we live, we realize we are no longer in the rhythm of come to me, but we are in the rhythm of burden and weariness. And I believe today that God is working in this room to call us and begin a journey to call us out of the weariness and into the hope of soul rest. Man, I want a piece of that. Because we believe as Christians, we are called not just to do the big events Jesus did, not just to know the teachings of Jesus, but to follow Jesus. In fact, as a church, we believe that so much that we made our tagline, our mission statement, more people, more like Jesus. Not just in the big moments, but in the ordinary, in the ones we think don't matter, in the mundane, in the moments that we so often fly by and forget to see. But who knows that a lot of those moments come together to form a life. And when we do the ordinary well, when we do the ordinary in the rhythms of Jesus, we look back and we realize we lived a life that was extraordinary, the kind of life Christ told us that Christians would live. 
But I, I, I'm, I'll confess, I haven't been a Christian for a heap of time. I've been a Christian since 2011. I wasn't raised a Christian. Um, and so when people say to me, man, trust Jesus, so often what we're trusting him with seems counterintuitive, opposite to what I would instinctively believe is the right thing to do, right? So, so for instance, in this case, Jesus is like, oh, you want to carry the weight of the world more and do more with your life? Have you tried doing less? And you're like, this seems wrong. This seems backwards. This seems counterintuitive. How can doing less help me do more? And Jesus steps in and says, but that's the way. And so I hear that and I go, man, I believe you theologically. I know you're God, no issues there, but I struggle to trust this. Yo, that's hard to actually follow. I will teach someone else it gladly. But yo, following it for myself, ouch. And when Jesus calls us to come to him, what we see is a Martha who was caught up in striving and struggling to prove herself and a Mary who was wowed and in wonder. And in this I find rest, in this I find hope. Because I know for me, sometimes when I come in the presence of Jesus, I'm all caught up trying to do the Christian life well. I forget to just be aware of Christ. Oh, I've got to read the whole chapter of this Bible book and I better pray some fancy words. And my goodness, if I don't pause for contemplation, I won't feel like I've done anything spiritual at all. God's like, those things are beautiful, they're good, but understand the better way, the thing that comes behind them. It is just seeing me. Just be aware of me. I promise I will lead you to wonder. I promise I will lead you to gratitude and joy. That is our Jesus. He's like, man, Martha, that striving and that religion is killing you and it's making my presence unenjoyable. All I want you to do is sit at my feet and just, just know me, build a relationship with me. And so why does coming to Jesus lead to a better life, a better rhythm, a less burdened and less destructive way of living? Well, in, in the scripture that we read at the beginning, Jesus has two things to say. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And then straight after that, he says this, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A few weeks ago, Scott preached a message on this and he explained what a yoke was. A yoke is just a farming equipment, nothing spiritual at all. It's a bit of farming equipment that goes on oxen, oxen's neck and straps them together to carry a heavy load. In other words, it's a tool to help share a burden. Jesus says, hey, strap yourself to me. I wanna help you carry that burden. In the space, in the space of your life that you create for me, I want you to let me help you carry your burdens. And in the story of Mary and Martha, it's what we see, right? I mean, Martha comes to Jesus and is like, Jesus, Mary is in the wrong. In fact, when we read the end of it, she's so instructive. She's like, Jesus, I'm gonna tell you what to do. Like I'm in charge in this place. You need to tell her to help me. But Jesus doesn't reply with a yes, Martha, sorry, Martha. Jesus is like, Martha, you're not seeing it. You may be culturally right, but you're spiritually wrong. You may be doing the right thing to fit into the world you live in, but in this space and in this moment, there is something even greater than the work you're trying to do. And it's pausing to rest and know the Jesus who makes life worth living at all. You see, he goes on and he, gets, and he says, learn from me. 
learn from me. And we see in the scripture, the story of Mary and Martha, what happens is Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to what he said. And that word there, listening to what he said, could just as easily be translated to listening to his word. And that word for word is logos. It's a Greek word. And in John, in the Gospel of John, we see that word again. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it goes on to explain that that word became flesh, e.g. it's talking about Jesus. But in 1, 1 to 3, it says this about this word. It says that this word was the light, the, the life of men. A light that shines into the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend it, could not overcome it, could not take it down. There was no conquest from the dark to the light. The light won every single time. When Jesus was talking to Mary, he wasn't talking about the 12 keys to a better night's sleep. He wasn't talking about how to get our finances in order. He was talking about the literal battle of of death and life. He was talking about the kingdom of God and the one and only hope we have as a people in him. Now there's some words I wanna hear. And you see, Mary was so caught up with him that she sat at his feet, but Martha wanted to hear it. You can tell why, because she was distracted. E.g., she wanted to be present, but every time she sat there, she was pulled away. And I wonder, I wonder today, if for some of us in that hard, horrible place between the world and listening to its whispers and Jesus and listening to his call. Is that a place any of us can relate to? You see, Mary sat at his feet, which was a good and important line because sitting at the feet is actually an image of something powerful. You see, that would, we read that as like, oh, she sat at his feet. But the Jews read that as this. Mary sat in the place of a disciple, an apprentice, someone who wished to carry the lifestyle of Jesus, to live in the rhythms of Christ. And so in that space, of coming to Jesus, Mary found the burdens put on her by the world were lifted. And Mary found the keys, the secrets, the promise and the hope of eternal life. And in that space, her soul could find rest. Man, I want in. I don't know about you guys, I want in. I want a part of this soul rest. Because maybe some of us in this room today are like, man, I'm hearing that, but I'm a mom and I don't have time to slow down and make time for Jesus most days. Man, I am an employee of a, of a big firm. I have a job to do. I don't even have time to, you know, to go for a run in the morning, let alone, you know, sit down and spend time with Jesus. What does that look like? Maybe we're in this room and we're like, man, I wanna sit with Jesus, but every time I've tried it, it's just been awkward and quiet and I felt like I'm wasting my time. Or perhaps some of us, some of us in this room are like, I wanna sit with Jesus, but I'm so, so scared of saying the wrong thing, making him annoyed, upsetting him. We have so many reasons to not come to Jesus. And you know where they leave us? weary and burdened, worn out and weighed down. And Jesus says this, I know the temptation is to think about what you gotta do, but the only thing you gotta do is come to me, sit at my feet, I'll take care of the rest. 
So church family, today we're beginning a series on rhythms. And in the next few weeks, we're gonna look at some of these rhythms he's called us into. Some of these come to me rhythms that he has given us as a gift to follow and live in. I'm excited about this because I believe God is at work and moving. I believe as a church family, we may find the tools to live the Christian life, the life of hope and and purpose and meaning that defies worldly expectations and worldly logic. But more so, we can learn to live that life in a way where we're not burdened and weighed down, but liberated, free and excited. So I'm speaking to two groups in this room, two groups of people. The first of the people in this room who may be like Martha have invited Jesus into your home. You have invited Jesus into your heart. You have invited Jesus to come and dine with you and to do life with you. And yet you never seem to find the time to just be with him. It's hard and it's difficult. And the second group of people are the people who when I say, come, Jesus says, come to me, you scoff audibly, you laugh. You're like, Jesus does not want me to come to him. Trust me, you don't know the life I've lived. You don't know the things I believe and the thoughts I have and the way my emotions move. I don't, Jesus does. Jesus does. (laughs) Jesus knows your thoughts and your feelings, your history and your past, your plans and your future. He knows every hair on your head and every breath you've ever taken. And you know what he says to you? Come to me. Just come to me. I don't care about all of that. Come and sit with me for a minute. Let's just spend some time together. Let's just do it. Let's see where we are after that. For the first group, I wanna, I wanna call us into a time of contemplation and reflection. What we're gonna do is in a moment, Ash, is gonna, uh, Ash and Hanissi are gonna lead us in a song about responding to Jesus' call to come to us in the way Jesus has called us to do it, with rest, with hope, with gratitude and gladness and joy. And after that, we're gonna pray together. And we're gonna seek the Lord and pray that he would move in a cool and powerful way and show us the work He is already doing. But I wanna invite you all to stand. And I'm just gonna pray super quickly before we go any further. And then we are gonna join together in both reflection and if you know the words, worship. So Father God, I am so grateful, so thankful that you are alive in this room and active and moving. That you haven't abandoned this room. You are excited for the work you're doing. You've been excited about it for a long, long time. And you are looking at us, not with anger if we don't make time for you, but with the great joy and hope of the day we finally learn that it's not a religious requirement, but a gift. My God, you look at the the worn down, weighed down, burdened lives we live. And you say, I am the hope and I alone. So God, would you move in our hearts and teach us how to have hope in you and how to trust in you in this space. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.